I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Dream Factory, the world's greatest user-generated movie creation podcast. The rules are simple. We can discuss as many of your ideas as we like, but only one idea can progress to the next stage where it will be exclusively screened on a tiny, tiny monitor in a tiny vessel 33,000 feet below sea level. I'm Joel, a man who puts the naughty into nautical, and across from me is John Harris, a man who is so afraid of what lies below the depths that he hasn't set foot in the ocean since 1999 <laughs> hello john I, I i sort of forgot to say hello there I thought, yeah I thought, I thought you were gonna step in and be like that's oh that's so true i hate the ocean but i have to invite that from you don't i yeah the, the weird thing is before we record joel does say only speak when you're spoken to so i didn't know what to, i didn't know what to do Sorry, man. I uh, For the first time ever in your life, you had to jump in and do some sort of broadcasting and you failed miserably. You didn't read the cue. John, how do you feel about being in the ocean and the ocean and sort of generally? I can't imagine you as an ocean going guy. Um, Is that right? I can't uh, picture you in the ocean. I I don't mind a swim in the ocean, but yeah, there is. I okay. think there is a point where my anxiety gets the better of me and I think there could be anything under me right now. For me, it's not under me. For me, it's I'm going to turn around and there's going to be a shark directly behind me. Every time Every time I go for a swim in the sea, I'm having a lovely time in the sea, having a lovely time. And then there's never a set amount of time where this feeling hits. But I'll be swimming through the ocean and and then my brain just says, it's right behind you right now. But- right now it's behind you. And then I, I sort of try and style it out because I know there's obviously lots of people at the beach. So I have a technique where I can kind of, I look behind myself with every stroke. <laughs> I must look mad. <laughs> I think it's like, 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 like I'm about to pull out into another lane in a in the the motorway of the sea. So I'm checking behind myself constantly. I just imagine you like screaming as you're swimming back to shore, and then as you get off, you style <laughs> out by sort of looking at your Apple Watch and going, "Yep, personal best." Yeah, oh, just... hit my scream steps. Hit my screams <laughs> for the day. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty good at internalizing that fear, but it, let it let listen. I let it know that it runs pretty deep. The shark is like an irrational thing. Like when I'm swimming, there's like a more rational fear. It's like, I don't know, big, enormous lobster crab monsters under the under where I am. Not Is that not rational? Monsters. Maybe not monsters, but they're Usually, or like yeah, sharks are irrational. Fish. A more rational fear is monsters. 
Okay, fine. I was I was using the word monster to describe the enormity of them. I remember I went to like an aquarium and there was like a really massive crab, like a spider crab. That's what they're called, isn't it? And I thought, yeah, that I could genuinely stand on. It's not going to kill you. Mm. It might snip your little toe off, which look, that'd be really sad. I'd be really sad for you, but you'd still be here doing this podcast. In my head, (laughs) there's just a giant shark snapping at my heels. But I'm also, I, I imagine it's because I'm very British. I'm too embarrassed to let that be known so i'm trying to you know swim back to the shore with some dignity while also convincing myself that my death is imminent if there was genuinely a shark following you would you also still be like i don't want to make a big i don't want to make a scene i would yeah yeah. (laughs) let me just get to shore quickly and then i'll say what happened afterwards yeah yeah yeah. well not maybe immediately afterwards i'll dry off maybe over dinner (laughs) later that night (laughs) funniest thing happened today (laughs) yeah anyway we're here to pitch some film ideas not talk about our deepest darkest greatest fears that's the kind of thing we do at the very end of the show we've got one here from the what the flick podcast the brilliant what the flick podcast although as a show it has already peaked because it has had john and i on as guests so really they're just kind of filling time now yeah you know they're just they're just yeah they've 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 hit the heady heights of having the the great john and joel on and so now they're just scrabbling around just trying to you know get anywhere near to that level once again and it and after having said I'm one of the one of the great broadcasters of all time, I can't form any words. Here's the idea from What the Flick. Del Boy. Ron Perlman plays a demon from hell who's part of a crack team of secret agents who'd rather be making a few quid down Peckham markets. That's good. That's really good. I would maybe prefer if Del Boy was on the side of being, you know, an entrepreneur, was fighting demons. But he's a good guy. Like, Hellboy is a good guy, right? Even yeah, though he is a what? demon. But who does he who does he fight? Other demons? Well, I'm concerned. I'm wrong. But my based on watching those films when they first came out, the Del Toro ones, very short. Certainly, he's fighting the Nazis. Uh, it says on his Wikipedia that he's a well-meaning half demon. Exactly. There you go. I think there is something about the East End of London that is slightly fantasy adjacent. It's, does that sort? Does that make sense to you? Like I could imagine down the alleys and corridors of East London, sort of mm. mythical creatures. In the same way that I couldn't imagine them being sort of more like, you know, in the in the sort of banking district. Are you saying if I go and look out my window right now, I might see a, you know, a wither, a withen, a, th- a yeah, thestral. A centaur. Okay. No, yeah, yeah I, I can I can get on board with that. So worth pointing out that Del Boy is from Peckham, which is in the south of London, John. If you want to, you know, Shit. he doesn't go north of the river. But no, it still works. I, I agree. And South London is where Attack the Block takes place as well. So you're right. You know, that, those, those, those kind of those kind of areas make sense. Now, is Ron Perlman playing Del Boy? Yes, that's good, isn't it? Yes. That's what we want. And would his British accent be better or worse than the guy from The Boys? Hopefully worse. The days of really bad British accents seem to be behind us, and I think it's a loss. You'd, you'd I'd like, like to bring more. I'd like to bring back terrible accents to films. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think it, that one was so noteworthily bad that it's sort of like it, it sort of takes a shine off every other sort of accent. And I know that I've said this before, but my sort of fan theory on that is that The Boys takes place in an alternate universe where that is what people from London sound like. <laughs> That's just, we all have to accept that yeah. something happened in that universe that means that's what Londoners sound like. I, Because oh, <laughs> they, they, the mum's in like an episode later down the line. I think even the I dad. Know. And they all yeah. have that mad they accent. They all have the same accent. And I think we have talked about this before, but they must have had to brief, because I think they are <laughs> British actors that play as mum and dad. They must have had to say to them, 
you're going to have to go against all of your instincts here. <laughs> and you're going to have to do... You, a British person, are going to have to do an impression of this Kiwi guy doing a bad British accent. Do you think they had like, yeah, like a vocal, uh, what they call like voice coaches on there just to teach a them? Vo- a voice coach with bad accent. <laughs> it's good. I, do you reckon back in the day, and I know the answer to this is no, they used to get away with those terrible accents because like they'd never heard an American before and, you know, we, British people have never really met an American. Is that why everyone in America thinks people from England speak like the Queen? I don't know. I don't know, but I also like the idea that there's a sketch in that, the idea of like some sort of voice coach to the stars. And it's the yeah, guy yeah. who did, um, did what's his face from Mary Poppins all the way to, <laughs> to, to the, to the boys. It's just every bad accent in history yeah, in yeah. Hollywood is actually this one vo- voice coach. That is good. Well done, John. Right. Here's a film idea from me. What about this one from Nathan? I like this a lot. Zombie landlord. Oh, yes. Wrenched you. So, hmm. Housing crisis, especially in London, really difficult to find a place to rent at the moment. The rates are absolutely extortionate. You're on spare room and you can't believe what you find. Flat to rent in a desirable location, incredibly cheap prices. You're over the moon. The communication with the landlord has been a bit weird. <laughs> it looks like maybe he's just sort of lent on a keyboard. I was, I was going to say, a series of letters. I was going to say, if, if my previous correspondence with landlords is anything to go by, they already are zombies. Hey, come on, come on. <laughs> They're more, they are quite mythical creatures in that they don't really, a lot of the time when you need them, they don't really seem to exist. <laughs> yeah, so you, you call up and you get kind of like a, you get through to a, a guy who just sort of speaks a bit like, bah, 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 bah. and again, dealt with estate agents in my time. <laughs> you wouldn't be thinking maybe that was too out of the ordinary. And you kind of infer from what they're saying, you can go and see the property. You go to see the property. You love it. You're in. You move in. When does it become apparent that your landlord is a zombie? And is there some sort of, what's the rent situation? Is it like a bit of your brain? Is it all of your brain? What's the deposit? How's this yeah, working? I think, I think that's it. it. It comes apparent when he sort of asks for payment in brains. May, and maybe yeah. it's not your brains. It could just be brains generally. You have to produce brains. Yeah. Ah. You're, you, and you're so desperate to rent somewhere nice in London that you start- Start murdering people. Murdering people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, there is something in that. I'm not sure- Quite, it's quite it's not good. quite there. I I would think in the world of sort of horror characters and landlord stereotypes, a vampire is more sort of sort of accurate to to the landlord in terms of sort that's of where yeah that's where my, my exactly yeah, yeah yeah bleeding you bleeding you white I would and it also makes more sense that you would kind of give up a pint of your blood to your vampire landlord. True. The film's zombie landlord colon, but he's actually a vampire. <laughs> Well, it could be like that extended Monsters universe they wanted to do that was a huge success. Mm. We're still... They had t- Tom Cruise rating, as the mummy. Tom Cruise, well, he was the guy hunting mummy. I don't think he was a mummy. No, but it was Tom Cruise is the mummy. Sorry, apologies. I'm not saying Tom Cruise is the mummy. Yeah, no. He, they does got all, his, he does all his own stunts. He, gets, he wraps himself up in toilet roll and runs around. Yeah, they got a whole cast together for that, like Russell Crowe, I think Javier Tom Bardem, Sophia Batella, and then... I think it was called the Warner Brothers Dark Universe. It was called the Dark Universe. They were going to do Dracula. It, so it starts off promising. You've got the mummy in there. You've got Dracula. There seems to be some sort of promise of Johnny Depp playing an invisible man. Again, wish he would. And <laughs> then you get down to like something called Wolfman. Wolfman feels a lot like where we are now with superhero movies, where it's just like some guy called Craven. And you're like, 
who? I'm sorry now. He's got a whole film. Morbius. This is the Dark Universe quickly descends into Wolf Guy, Mr. Ghost. Well, yeah, you know? you're right. Because in the comics, Craven is a super, sorry, a Spider-Man baddie. And he is yeah. a hunter. He's a big game hunter. And the biggest game that he can imagine is to hunt the Spider-Man. He is mm-hmm. just a very good hunter. In the film adaptation with Aaron Taylor-Johnson, he seems to be super powered because he got some lion had, blood in had him. A, had a, he had a blood transfusion with a lion. <laughs> that trailer, I can't... Uh, <laughs> How have they let that get out the door? It's just so bad. What what what's Sony's game plan with these films? I, it's crazy. Like Morbius just happened. Uh, like one of the biggest disasters in recent memory at the cinema. Like a massive flop, critically just completely panned. Like was memed beyond belief. The internet managed to trick them into re-releasing it at cinemas, and then it bombed all over again. Like it was humiliating for everyone involved. And they've gone. Well, let's just do it again. <laughs> No, let's just do exactly the same thing. I'm already seeing people saying like it's craving time, like you know, yeah. in the it's morbid time thing. It's gonna it, literally exactly the same thing is gonna happen again. It's madness. Yeah, it, the, tr- the 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 tr- you watch that trailer and you think, I think even in the like early noughties, we would have said oh, this this one looks a bit retro. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, well, it's hey. weird, and they're all doing weird accents like Russell Crowe. They're all like, is it like Eastern European or Russian or like why is Russell Crowe doing like? <laughs> Russian, right. Russian, Russian crow, Russian crow. That's not bad because uh, with um, Thor: Love and Thunder, the Pope's exorcist, and this, he clearly has got like a clause in his contract where they, where they're like, can you do like Australian or like sort of British accent? He's like, no, I have to do <laughs> some. I've done that. <laughs> yeah, I have been doing that for forty years. I will only do. He won't go fully offensive, Russell Crowe. <laughs> he's got he's got a map play, of the world in the dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's got yeah, he's got a map of the world and he's got his wills and won'ts. And he'll kind of play in that grey area where you you know you're like, is it it's sort of fine to do a German accent? And Russian, I mean Russia's fair game right now, right? So I see why he's he's gone that way. He's definitely now playing he's playing around with the uh with the accents. It's it's fun to have fun with. He's and got a, look, he's got a I'm, I'm, I'm actually talking myself around to this film. <laughs> He's got a globe. He shows up on the first day on set. He turns, walks up to the director. He has a globe. He spins it and just points and says, my character comes from here. <laughs> and they have to deal with that. Like Nigeria. Everyone's looking at each other like, oh no. How much do we want Russell Crowe in this movie? That's what he's, that's what he's basically challenging the director to. He's like, how much do you want me? How badly does this picture need Russell Crowe? Does Russell Crowe still, do you think, have like star power? Yeah, I think people so. People go, I'm going to go and see the next Russell Crowe film. I don't know. I think like there's an attraction to like, for instance, The Pope's Exorcist, a horror film where he plays a priest is like, I want to see Russell Crowe playing a priest yeah, in a horror so. movie. I, I guess so. Yeah. But I'm not sure like if it was like, oh, some generic looking action film where whether Russell Crowe is enough of a pull necessarily. Mm, when was the last time he was good? <laughs> nice guys. He's really oh, great. He's great in nice guys. Nice. He also seems like a funny dude, right? I don't think I mm. don't think he's Yeah, he I doesn't hope, take himself too seriously, I don't think. Um hope, let me know if he's an awful man. If you listener, if you know he's an awful <laughs> man, let me know. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What about this film idea from Tony? Welcome to the Jungle Book. The Rock playing Baloo has to go and find Sean William Scott Mowgli and rescue him from the mad Christopher Walken, King Louis. So is Christopher Walken in Welcome to the Jungle? Because he does play King Louis in the remake of Jungle yeah, Book, right? Yeah, maybe he is. I, I'll be honest with you, John. I've never seen it. No, um, it's... I'm obviously getting the uh, Guns N' Roses song as I Google it. It stars... Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme? Adam, Adam Brody. Is no, this that, right? That's the wrong film. Welcome to the Jungle. 2013? No. What? What? The Rock. I want the Rock movie. 2003. That's called The Rundown now on Wikipedia. No. Ah, so in America it was known as The Rundown. In everywhere else it was known as Welcome to the Jungle. There we go. Because I, oh. it's it's one of the early films in the sort of... Dwayne The Rock Johnson wears a t-shirt in the jungle cinematic yeah, universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big time. Um, yeah, okay. so yeah, Chris Walken, Walken is it? in both of them. I'm sure he's in the Jungle Book remake. I would... Uh, you, it's It's been a tough year to be a Rock fan. Yeah, The Rock... The Rock's power's waning a little bit, right? Yeah. It's Wayne, it's Wayne The Rock Johnson. Wayne The saying. Rock Johnson. <laughs> uh, so, when the film Jumanji came out, I think The Rock mm-hmm. accidentally passed all his star power over to Jack Black, who's just been sort of on a rise ever since. Damn. And that sort of happens in the film, Jumanji. They, there is like a body swap thing. So maybe the that's... Bu- maybe No, is The Rock in Jack Black? No, because that would mean that Jack Black was in The Rock. I feel like if there was a switcheroo there, they'd both still be pretty successful. And we love Jack Black, and he's been a brilliant, talented man for a lot longer than the first time we met The Rock, to be fair. If... If you woke up and you were in The Rock's body, what's the first thing you'd do? Oh, mate. Go lift something really heavy up, I think. Probably. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I wonder if that's a very boring suggestion. I I think I would go and lift something really, really heavy. Yeah, go find a car, see if I can lift it, right? That seems like the logical thing. Yeah, fair play. I'd probably... I think my downfall would be... You know, he puts those videos online where when he has like a cheat day from his workouts mm. where he eats, just eats an incredible amount of food. I think the problem I'd strike is that I would do a lot of those in quick succession <laughs> and paparazzi would catch the rock looking very out of shape very quickly hey 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 how about this film idea from beck 
Bill and Ben's Excellent Adventure. Pretty simple, I reckon. They hop into a flower pot and they travel through time, going to gardens of the past and gardens of the future. Yeah, and I think there's... It probably doesn't change the film all that much. I think Bill and Ben and Bill and Ted are probably relatively exchangeable. Do you... What? I can't even speak. Yeah, well, I don't think Bill and Ted speak that much, do they? Don't don't they just sort of say, flobber-dob, flobber-dob? Yeah, and Bill and Ted just say like, awesome, bodacious. <laughs> that, yeah, I when guess Bill so. And, when Bill and Ben are saying, flobber-dob, flobber-dob, that's what they're, they're also saying bodacious and stuff like that. It's just in their language. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, maybe it works. How about this one from Matt? Batman Begins. <laughs> Christopher Biggins is Batman, enough said. Now, what I will say about this one from Matt is that he got like an AI image generator to create what this would look like. And it's it's pretty good. Yes. I'm kind of into it. Yeah. I don't really know. I don't know much about what Biggins does. I just know he is of note. Does that make sense? I think Biggins, I think Biggins' best work was before our time, I think. I think he's just like a TV guy, you know? Uh, and like he's a pantomime dame, right? That's a big yeah, part big of what time, he does. Big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, has anyone done Batman drag? They must have done at some point. Yeah, just surely. Sure. I think that that could be good. Good look for like R- RuPaul one week. Someone doing a big Batman runway look. I'm into it. Give me another one. Right. What about this one from Andy? Carry on camping. Carry on spelled C-A-R-R-I-O-N. Do you know what that word means, oh, Joe? Isn't it dead animals? Yes, well done. Because that I had like, to Google uh, that. Roadkill and stuff. Exactly. No, things that vultures. Exactly that. Things that vultures sort of go for. Barbara Windsor, Sid James, Kenneth Williams and Chums go on a camping holiday to Africa. Sadly, they're all eaten by vultures because they're already dead. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I mean, I don't know much about... I didn't know anything about carry-on until, until I got this idea. And I don't know much about the carry-on camping films, apart from sort of like Barbara Windsor's bra pops off and... Um, That's Kenneth all I know. John, goes, I've, never, I've never seen... A carry-on film. No. There's like 27 of they them, are. Right? They are, yeah. They're like, for me, like a part of the past that I don't, you know, it's like the pyramids or something, right? I know that they're there, but I've never, I've never experienced them. They're just not part of my life. They're like not a reference point. For, although they, they are a reference point to me, right? It's strange. Maybe they're just one of those things that's kind of part of British culture that just seeps into your brain somehow. Yeah, I do definitely- know about Kenneth Williams making a noise. I know about Kenneth Williams making a noise. I've never yeah. even seen him do it. <laughs> why do i know about it uh, who know I'd, i would actually argue and this i think might be to some people more scandalous is i feel the same way about uh from earlier um from um what's it called del boy i don't know much about uh only fools and horses i don't oh. think i've ever seen a full episode i know that there's rodney's a plonker i know that they have a three-wheeled <laughs> yellow car i know there's a guy called trigger um uh, he falls through a bar at one point Incredible stuff. He does. I, I would say that the cultural imprint of Only Fools and Horses is probably bigger than the carry-on films now. Oh, I used to work... Here's a fun thing about Only Fools and Horses. I used to work at a wedding venue, and on several occasions, there was a Del Boy impersonator who would turn up to the wedding as something that people booked to have at their wedding. His whole shtick was that he'd arrive like three quarters of the way into the meal or before the speeches and would just like come in and cause chaos. And like, you know, chuck his big coat over someone. He'd have one of those, like a big, hilarious looking cocktail. And like storm around the room, shaking hands, kissing all the women, claiming that he used to have a thing with the bride. It was so strange. Yeah. And he'd have one of the three-wheel cars. I never saw a Rodney. I don't know if you could get a little deal on a Rodney. 
But isn't that now, mad? Like when you're planning planning your wedding, you're like, okay, what are the things we need? Right, so you've sorted the flowers and the DJ. <laughs> we know what we're having food-wise. Ceremony's at 2.30. We've got cars getting us there. Have you... Did you get the Del Boy impersonator <laughs> in the end? Have we sorted that? Because I won't walk down the aisle unless I know that Del Boy's going to turn up. Can I just check? And it was always the same guy. Uh, it was, yeah. So do you think like... So I sort um, of knew him a bit because I worked there for five years. <laughs> After five years, I just sort of knew a Del Boy impersonator a bit, but I never met him out of character. And Because he was a busy man. He would only do like 20 minutes. It's not like he hung course. around the whole night. He's got somewhere else to be. He's got other, he's got other yeah, weddings yeah, to yeah. crash. He had, a wake, he had a wake to get to. <laughs> yeah. Do you think you're sat there with your partner at another person's wedding, watching this happen? You go, oh, we need this. We, we need this. Yeah. yeah. Get his card. <laughs> Don't let him leave without getting his card. I, I know. I'm like, yeah, pretty mad, pretty mad. And you'd have, that was probably the most out there, but you had like magicians and things like that quite sort of every now and again. But a Del Boy impersonator is so specific, isn't it? It's so is- strange. Anyway. And I'd say, apologies, Del Boy. I'm not laughing because I've never seen the show. John, if you ever get married, <laughs> I'm going to hire a Del Boy impersonator to turn up. And I'm never going to, I won't, oh, you'd know it was me now. I'm going to book something really weird to happen at your wedding. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care how much it costs. Even if you would just so much rather have it, have that as a present in cash value or it went behind the bar to get everyone a free drink. I don't care. I'm going to book the weirdest thing I can think of to happen at your wedding. Mr. Bean impersonator? That'd be good. Could be Mr. Bean impersonator. It could be some sort of like exotic animal might arrive. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, dear. On that note, let's move on to our own ones, right? Okay, here's one from me. The day after Steve Morrow. Former footballer Steve Morrow has to survive the apocalypse. <laughs> Can I have some context about who Steve Morrow is, please? Steve Morrow, relatively successful career. He was Northern Irish. He was, uh, and he ended, here's why I thought it'd be quite interesting. He ended his career as a player, then manager in Dallas. And I thought it could be some sort of heat related disaster in Dallas where, you know, a pale skinned, stereotypical Northern Irishman has to survive extreme heat and the ways in which he might do that. There you go. Amazing. Yeah. uh a, what's it called? Like an apocalypse film. You don't get too many of them. And I don't, it's hard to like, when the, like the day after tomorrow, I don't know. How does that end? It's really, it just ends with the world ending. There's no, like, you can't fight against the world ending, can you? Yeah, how does that film end? There's no, Jake, does Jake Gyllenhaal, do they all die? Do I, they all die? I, I can't remember. I feel like I've seen it more than once. I don't know. Do they all die? I've got weirdly specific memories of that film. Like there's a bit where they know that, even though all the electricity's down, the telephones will still work because they run off their own power network. What an <laughs> odd detail I can remember about that film. And also, is there a bit where someone falls into a shopping mall and dies? Do they all die? Maybe they all die. It doesn't feel very Hollywood for them all to die. No. I think a lot but of like, them... Like you said... A lot of them will end with people going somewhere else. So they'll leave... The, like, America's fucked and they'll go to, like... I think I think one of them, they go to, like, Greenland, right? That's oh, no, it's got one. a happy ending. It's got a happy ending. It's so funny. Do you want me to read the last paragraph of the plot? Please. Days later, the superstorms dissipate. After finding people outside frozen to death, Jack and Jason reach the library, finding Sam's group alive. Jack sends a radio message to US forces in Mexico. In his first address as the new president from the US embassy in Mexico, Becker apologizes on the Weather Channel for his ignorance and sends helicopters to rescue survivors. On the International Space Station, astronauts look down in awe at Earth's transformed surface, remarking that the air never looked so clear. (laughs) 
Oh, <laughs> it's a really happy ending. Look, maybe the climate crisis isn't such a bad thing if we get through it. I don't know. And how can we make like a uh, Northern Irishman kicking a football sort of be the climax of that? Mm, good question. It kicks a ball into the sun. It kicks a ball so hard, it kicks the sun back away from Earth at the end. Well done, Steve Morrow. What's your one, John? Uh, Marvel presents Secret Occasion. The Avengers tried to throw a surprise party for Nick Fury, but how do you shock the man who knows everything before you do? That's brilliant. That's so good. Put a second eye patch on him. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't even need... You just move the eye patch to the other eye. Crucially. I like, I like your initial idea. There we go. Good stuff. Well done. John, great stuff. Who do you think was the winner out of all of those? It's, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's a competitive field this week. I like the simplicity of a zombie landlord. Zombie landlord it is. Because it's relatable stuff. Well done. Yeah. To whoever sent that one in. And we've got to leave because uh, my landlord is coming in now and he wants to eat my brains, suck my blood <laughs> and take uh, an astronomical amount of money out of my bank account. Well done, John. Well done, Joe. Did you watch did you the have a nice Glass- time? I, I had a lovely time. I was going to say, did you watch the Glastonbury coverage over the weekend? I did. I watched quite a bit of it, actually. Mm. What did, what did stuff, you enjoy? Man. Elton was absolutely amazing. Everyone has universally agreed that Elton completely smashed it. We're all very worried because we've all seen funny videos of Elton John singing I'm Still Standing recently, and his voice doesn't appear up to it. I don't know how, much, how many vocal zones that man ate before he went on stage <laughs> and how long he took before speaking. But he uh, he smashed it. He absolutely it was, smashed it. It was one of those few things where, like, I'd love, I'd, I'd need to check the viewing figures because it was one of those things where it felt like most of my group chats, like my family one, a couple of my friends' ones, were all watching it. Like everyone seemed oh, to be man. watching it. I walked out onto my balcony here, and you could see five tellies that had it on. Like everyone was watching it. I mean, admittedly, I own six TVs, and five of them were on my balcony. <laughs> but it was still a magical moment. It was a magical, magical moment. And have uh, you seen? Yeah, enjoyed that. Have you seen the... So at the same time as Elton John is playing, and this is like any other festival, these would all be amazing headliners. Mm-hmm, you had mm-hmm. Queens of the Stone Age, you had Rudimental, you had Alt-J, you had Phoenix, and you had others. And I've like seen some footage of like, even like Queens of the Stone Age, who are like one of the biggest bands in the world, yeah. with a relatively empty crowd because yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. said see Elton John. It's nuts. But I mean, you'd have to go to Elton, right? I'd, yes. It's the, the last Elton gig ever, potentially. Rick Astley probably had the best weekend in terms of winning over new fans and just general rep improvement. Like amazing, absolutely amazing. He his set was brilliant. He you know he did a really great cover of As It Was by Harry Styles. He did some ACDC, and then a few hours later, he's just on stage with Blossoms doing songs by the Smiths and absolutely killing it. He's the guy is amazing. Yeah, um, really enjoyed that, and I actually quite enjoyed Arctic Monkeys as well. Yeah, uh, Rick Rick Astley seems like a good dude as well broadly sp- i hope so like yeah. everything i've yeah, seen yeah. and read about him he seems just like a nice man but i'm going to a festival in a month's time and he's playing and up until this weekend i was like oh i'll see that that'll be funny but now i'm like that'll be good it's gonna be amazing it's gonna be amazing so yeah be um also uh if anyone wants a recommendation on the what's it called the woodsy stage now it's called uh a, an irish post-punk band called the murder capital were very good i like them very much i would recommend you check them out so yeah nice. glastonbury is good anything else you want to rep- even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Report, Joe. Uh, no, nothing else I want to report, John. I'm happy with everything. Well done. I'll, I'll let you come back next week. Bye. Thank you. Send the guys a movie idea. Tell your friends that you like the show. Follow us on social media. Then you'll be the best listener.